The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Peaky Blinders. Welcome to the show, the co-driver for this episode, Blake Robinson. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I thought, I thought that was a nice little spin on the, the two topics we have today. Yes, although I uh, wouldn't say this season has started the way it should have for Mercedes, but uh, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, real life season, not the drive to survive season. Yeah, if you're a Mercedes fan, the 2022 season's not, not going great so far. Things are not going to plan, though. <laughs> Before we get into our two Netflix reality shows for this week, did you see the... The big Oscar moment today. Mm, it was literally the first thing I seen when I opened Twitter when I woke up, and it was lots of digest. Yeah, I, I went through a whole range of emotions. Like, is this real? Is this staged? And yeah, it's the definitely. Um, it definitely seems legit. Definitely not staged. <laughs> yeah, they're real raw emotions by Will Smith. Oh, that was that was definitely something that's got got people talking about the Oscars. Yeah, it makes Kanye look insignificant now. I guess. True. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the microphone off someone seems pretty timid and calm compared to... Just use violence. Violence seems to be the answer. <laughs> just slapping down Chris Rock and putting him in his places. Will Smith's pretty clean cut. Wouldn't take him to be snapped like that, but you never know. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. When you talk about someone's wife and make a joke about an illness, it's like, yeah, that's too much. Different set of rules. But, um, yeah, Oscars. Really trying to stay in the headlines. <laughs> It's one of those things, one of those award shows you um yes, you don't know it's on until something like this happens. You're like, oh, the Oscars are on today. Did you ever end up watching the the movie that won Best Picture, Coda? No, but I didn't realise that won Best Picture. I knew King Richard. He got Best Actor for King Richard, of which I still haven't seen. <laughs> King Richard is awesome. I'm not surprised Will Smith got Best Actor for that. Um, Coda is the Apple TV movie about uh, the girl that lives with her deaf parents on, like, and runs like a fishing boat. Right. I don't know. I, I know that the name is familiar, but I can't picture the trailer or anything. Yeah, it's very good. So I got best picture. Oh, it must be good. <laughs> if you've got if you've got Apple TV Plus, check that one out for sure. As I do. Well, I'm doing nothing today, so, so I'm definitely going to watch something <laughs> soon. There you go. You can watch that one. I'm done looking out the window watching rain. I'm loving that all the like best picture nominees and stuff were put on a bunch of streaming services over the last couple of weeks. So people did have a chance to watch them ahead of the, the awards today, which was nice. Yeah. Unusual, but very nice. I hope it's a trend that we get moving forward. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, it's becoming king though, isn't it? Disney had Nightmare Alley. Apple had Coda. Netflix added a bunch in the last couple of weeks as well and put them under a award nominees category. So like, Oh, really? That's genius. I think you can go in there and watch nearly every movie that's nominated for best picture this year on some streaming service somewhere that's how it should be 
But then again, I guess traditionally people will watch these award shows and see what wins. Then in the following weeks, they'll go to the movies and watch them. Yeah, so that's I reckon they like probably do. I guess they make a lot of money and do big numbers after the award shows. But for us, we went the total opposite route, and instead of watching <laughs> award-winning high-class cinema, we decided to watch trashy Netflix reality shows. One of them is really good; the other one is very trashy. One should win all the awards available. Yes, because it just keeps getting better and better, <laughs> and I hope they never stop making it. And that's drive to survive. And the other one is oh, a dumpster fire. <laughs> it was, yeah, I got my hit though. It was entertaining. Yeah, so we watched the two we watched were Drive to Survive season four, and the second one was Byron Bay's. So, you, if we want to dive into the good one first, and then we'll mm. close out with some trash TV at the end. So, yeah, we'll be starting with Byron Bay's, I assume, then the good one first. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Dr- Drive to Survive, the fourth season of a documentary series this is this this is a season everyone was waiting for too you could say because it was a drama filled calendar last year race calendar especially the way that the season ended last year with that final race and final lap essentially even i knew everything that happened i watched the race live i was still edging my seat and like my heart was racing like i didn't know what was going to happen or like i almost wanted the ending to be different <laughs> but they um mm-hmm. oh they were just they must have been rubbing their hands together netflix when that was happening and they're getting all the footings like oh this is a beauty oh 100 those cameramen were sitting there being like we're on a gold mine this season this is going to be nuts one thing i did i only paid attention to it because i seen an article or something about it. i didn't read it but max Verstappen not being in the netflix series at all have you do you know much about that <sighs> i did read somewhere because he, he didn't get he, he was he didn't get interviewed. I don't think Lewis got interviewed either. Yeah. But they do pay I like how they do pay a lot of attention to like the the younger drivers, the lesser known ones, the, the ones aren't in the points, like Haas, your Williams. They've done it well. I think Netflix has sort of realized that hey, Lewis Hamilton is gonna have a crazy amount of like commitments and probably not gonna be available all that much to film Netflix sections. Yeah. So don't even bother the narrative on him, people like that. Yeah, and and he's going to be in the story anyway because he's going to be at the top of the rankings all the time. So let's yeah, exactly for the the other parts to fill out the flesh out the story. We need to focus on the other people. Have seen enough of these bigger drivers on TV and online as it is, and they know everything there is to know. But everyone loves seeing Haas fight for <laughs> fight for a spot in the in the, on the grid. Yeah, it's cool. I like yeah, I like the um. The battle storylines. Yeah, this this show like introduced me to Pierre Gasly, who's now like my favorite F1 driver. Yeah. Purely out of like this show. Like otherwise he'd have just been random dude in the middle of the grid. I think um Gunther, the team principal for Haas, is the uh the hero we never never knew we deserved. Yeah. He, what he's a, man. a classic. He is, he's gotta be a show classic. I love him. He's so funny. Yeah, like this season just following like the 2021 season and the the rivalry that went through the entire season, essentially from race one where the Stappen basically crashed and landed on Lewis's head. That was a scary moment. And then all the way to the, down to the final, final like lap and last couple of corners. So. Yeah. I was still, still heartbroken as ever <laughs> after it. it didn't get easier. 
But uh, yeah, one thing I did notice, I think the first two seasons were for F1 fans. And once I think after season two, they realized how popular this is to the neutral fan. People don't know, they've, um, they have sort of made it user friendly for, for new viewers and people who aren't familiar with the sport. Oh, yeah, it's definitely nowhere near as hardcore as it was in those first two. Now it's it's more like... Very layman's terms. Let's capture the casual the casual person that watches the F1 when it's in their town or their country Yeah. and make this our introduction portal to get people to watch the F1. Like, I think they've got to do something different with it, though, from here on in. It's been four seasons we've been to the same sort of thing, the same sort of storylines same sort of way of filming and episode by episode, race by race sort of thing. I think uh, they need to switch it up and do something a bit different. I did notice in this season that they didn't stick purely to the race calendar for the episodes. Like they did jump backwards and forwards. Yeah, it did jump backwards and forwards. I noticed that too. Throughout the calendar to sort of, okay, now we're going to tell this story and how it plays out over the course of half a dozen races throughout the season rather than, but then some races got featured two or three times in different episodes. Like they just kept jumping back and forth and getting other teams' perspectives on that same race. But yeah, I think they do need to do something different now. This season, now that sort of the COVID era is kind of leaving us and they're actually coming back to Australia and heading all around the world again, I think that'll make this next season much more interesting as well. Oh yeah, because you notice you notice in this too, like half the. I wonder if that was a thing too, like that came into it, like they weren't, they just couldn't film, they couldn't have the access in some country due to the local restrictions. Because I noticed half the, half the stands are empty and half are full, and like depends what country they're in, like filming. Like some races had crowds and others didn't. I wonder if that came into it. And then yeah, like a bunch of the races were just in Europe or the the Middle East, so yeah, it felt a bit weird that they were like, oh, we're in Saudi Arabia now we're. At- England and now we're back in Abu Dhabi. Like it felt like we were in the same places over and over. Well, we're two races in now. I haven't seen or heard anything from Netflix to say there's a season five, but you just have to assume there will be. Like I said, they've got no reason to stop. I'm pretty sure they are filming a season five, but yeah, are they? I haven't, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I did look in the trivia though. Apparently, in um season one, Mercedes and Ferrari were the only two that said. The only two teams that said, no, you have no access for Drive to Survive, and which is kind of ironic now because, like, this season and last season, those two are, like, the pillars of F1 and Drive to Survive seasons. Like, without them, they this show wouldn't be what it is. Like, imagine if Mercedes still gave them no access. We wouldn't have, uh, what's his name, Toto. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking they, about when you said no access, but the, the drivers didn't do interviews, but they definitely did have team access. I think it just comes down to all the margins and the politics and the behind closed doors sort of stuff. Like it's just too much money and too competitive at the top. And I think in that that first season, they were worried about secrets getting out and how, how it was going to be portrayed in the show. And then once they got that first season, they're like, okay, no, they're treating this quite faithfully and not spinning things so that we all look like, villains or whatever how good was the um the narrative of toto versus christian horner they proper hate each other those two they do not like each other at all <laughs> so like they respect they even respect each other right? it's just so good like love how this both both mutually hate each other yeah I, th- I think there is like 
a respect there in terms of yeah, there's got to be yeah, yeah. The, the guy is good at his job, but they just they don't like the way each other goes about it, and that's obvious in the way they react. And they don't they don't beat around the bush either. In terms of some of the drivers, what did you think of Daniel Ricciardo's portrayal in this season? Yeah, it was perfect. I was a big fan of with a couple of C-bombs he dropped in it. <laughs> that sort of caught me off guard. Instantly became it not very family friendly. I don't know, what's the show rated? Like, is it, I was not expecting that to be like non-bleeped out. Yeah, he's just like pure Aussie larrikin though. Like when he's sitting there and they're testing his microphone, he's just like testing three, four, nutsack five, six. Yeah, it's just <laughs> that like, made me laugh. Only an Aussie would do something stupid like that. I think there was no, was there really a Daniel Ricciardo or McLaren focus? There was a McLaren episode, but not so much Daniel Ricciardo. He sort of appeared in most other episodes, just cameos almost. I, I would have I would have liked more Daniel Ricciardo access. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess. Like he's got to be top top three of the ones the viewers want to see. I guess because in season, was it season three where he went over to Renault? Like that was sort of yeah yeah they made a big band. they gave him a big focus there so they kind of couldn't back it up two seasons in a row with a big focus on him. Well, I suppose yeah he didn't really have a whole lot of success with McLaren either, and he didn't have a lot of failure. It was sort of just middle of the pack sort of stuff. So probably a bit hard yeah, just, to milk it for what it's worth. It was just that car wasn't great. Um, but I, I think a drive to survive Daniel Ricciardo's spin-off mini series is what we need. Just full Daniel Ricciardo access. Just just four episodes, just all Daniel Ricciardo. Like a feature-length spin-off. I'm sure one day we will get like a Daniel Ricciardo movie or documentary, considering he's, he's one of Australia's most successful F1 drivers. Well, we've had we've had Senna, we've had Schumacher. We've, I don't know, there's probably a Mark Webber one before. There's a <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo one. I know there's a lot of Mark, drama with Mark Webber's career later on. Mm. From when he was driving with Rebel, yeah, I was going to say, what do you, what do you think of Nikita Mazepin's um, deception in it? Isn't he just a straight up galah? It just it comes off as so entitled, and it's just like you wouldn't have this job if your dad didn't own this team. It's just a recurring thing with drivers that have their dad as the major sponsor, isn't it? Yeah, he just comes off as jealous. Like, no, he's got a better car than mine. My car's crap. His is the good car. And his dad, his dad saying. Make my son's car better, otherwise I'm pulling or sponsorship. You would know how long the spot. Yeah, and like he, he basically just wanted them to swap the cars. It's like, bro, they're the exact same car. It's just yeah, you just didn't believe the exact same. It's your son. Like, what you think your son's a better driver than Mick Schumacher? <laughs> you can see that in this season with the Mercedes. Like George Russell is doing pretty well in his Mercedes so and far, Hamilton yeah. is struggling. It's just like some cars just don't suit certain ways drivers perform. So, and Mazepin just came across as jealous, entitled kid who. Very, just grown up as a billionaire's son, you can tell. <laughs> and it put his, uh, put the boss of the, uh, the manager of the team in a really awkward position too. Like, yeah, like what are we, what are we to do here? Mazepin's performing crap. He's crashing constantly. What do I do? I can't fire the boss's son. Like, and it's his job on the line too. If they keep going like this, it's just, yeah, it's just a horrible position for him to be in. No, there's no right decision, I guess. But it was um one thing that happened in the real world lately. Um, everything's going on in Russia. They actually pulled his pulled his seat. 
So because uh, he's a Russian, mm. yeah. So that sort of made me smile a bit. And um, who did they get back in? Kevin Magnuson? Is he, did he get back in? Yeah, Magnuson's back in the house. So that was good to say. A bit of a feel-good story after one of what Magnuson. It was one of the big storylines in season three of Drive to Survive. It was weird watching that, being like, "Well, that's going to be an interesting spin next season when it's a Russian-owned team." I was like, "Ooh." Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But I think I um, well, you watched it a bit earlier than me. Oh, I actually took me a couple of weeks to watch Drive to Five, and what this um, the whole Russia thing sort of happened afterwards. So as I was watching all this unfold, I was like, well, just you wait, mate. It's gonna be, he's going to get it coming for you. Yeah, I was, I was just watching it like right as the war and everything was kicking off. I was like, oh, this is going to be real weird next season. What did you think of the way Lando Norris was portrayed this season as well? To me, he came off as a bit of a knobhead. They did make that. like, Because it made me second guess because I thought in real life they're pretty good pals, Ricardo and Norris. Yeah, that's like you said, they made it out like they were at each other and they hated each other. But then again, that was at the very start of, I suppose, their relationship as like partners, teammates. But yeah, I did I did notice that as well. He would come off as a bit of a knob. He does seem, I guess he does seem a bit of a, a bit arrogant though. You've got to be, you've got to be in that sport. Especially because he got to such a high level at such a young age. But I think it was mainly like a bit of uncertainty and wariness about always. Well, have they brought in Daniel to basically take over as the lead guy in this team? That's what you would think, but that's definitely, that's definitely not the case. I think Ricardo's there is a very talented level head and mentor almost for Norris, but I think it's pretty clear that Lando Norris is the number one driver in that team. Oh yeah. Like I, I think if it came down to, if it came down to the last race of the season and, Lando needed to be one spot ahead to take out the championship. They would swap, swap those drivers around. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that team and those boys. But um, yeah, I really hope Lando gets his first win this season. Yeah, they need to sort that car out again. <laughs> that car's not looking great again this season. Like, no, I think just Ferrari, <laughs> Ferrari, easily definitely the team to beat this year. They've really made amends. My favorite part looking at this season is like. Well, they brought in they brought in all the new restrictions and everything that they do every year, but just the difference in the way a lot of the cars this season look like the Mercedes and the Ferrari don't look like they should be in the same category. Like they look like totally different cars. One's really fat and like wide and short, and the other one is like quite narrow but taller. It's they, they don't look like the same category of car. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah, or it's just yeah, I don't know because yeah, traditionally it's pretty much just. Their cars are different colors, <laughs> and that's the only difference. But yeah, they're very like physically different this, at this time around. But I'm I'm loving like how competitive it is this year too. Like there's so much passing and stuff. Like I've just been watching. Yeah. So it's going to be good. The F1 Mini, like on Fox Sports, rather than the full race. Oh, it's hard. Like if I'm up or if it's a bit earlier, I'll watch it. But just, you can't. I can't be watching other like, three AM, four AM races. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually just before I jumped on here watch the Mini from last night. Yeah, I love it. Like a full race in 30 minutes, like perfect. And you feel like you get all of the main parts, so it's cool. And then Lewis Hamilton, how do you think they portray him? Like I think it's funny that we, every time we see him, he's kind of he's reached that point where he doesn't wear the team kit when he's walking into a race meeting or anything. He just wears whatever. Oh, I, I love that. I was actually having this conversation the other day with someone. Yeah, then you got Max with his uh, team polo and just his 
his shorts on. <laughs> yeah, but Lewis just absolute rock star. I don't know. Did he, he? I think he just got portrayed as Lewis. Everyone knows what he's like. He carried on a bit about the COVID stuff, didn't he? I noticed. But that's just who he is, I guess. Well, was he one of? I think he was one of the only drivers that actually got impacted by it. So I can see why he was a little bit annoyed by it. Yeah, he referred to it as the worst experience of his life. But yeah, I don't. I'm obviously a big Lewis fan, but I, I, I would love more attention to be on him. Whereas the attention was on the rivalry of Red Bull and Ferrari. It wasn't even that. It was the, almost the rivalry of Toto and Christian, which I was loving. That was theatre. But yeah, more Max and Lewis focus to be good this time around. Because that, that that's where the rivalry's at. I think if they had access to Lewis and Max a lot more, then I think this, the storyline would have been the rivalry between them. But I guess if they can't get them to sit down for a few hours to do interviews and stuff, it's a bit hard. Everyone else, there's all other storylines of driver rivalries. And I think that the real, the big race is the constructors. And it was tat for tat, really, between Rebel and Mercedes. And that's how they played it out in the show, which was, I was happy with that. Look good. Mm-hmm. But like I said, if it's the fifth time around, they're going to, I reckon they need to do something completely different somehow instead of just doing the same storylines. Um, and I mentioned that crash at the start where Verstappen landed on Lewis's head. He was so lucky not to get badly injured in that. Oh, yeah. Watching that watching that again, it was 100% the, the halo that saved his life, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise you'd have had a whole car just on the top of his head. Yeah, then they had, um, I think they had Toto walking through the, the workshop and they briefly showed the damage to Lewis's car. Then I think they mentioned something mm-hmm. about his helmet. Had tire marks on his helmet or something. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lucky. But yeah, it was a very pretty slow motion crash too. Toto, the the final interview, I felt like that was that him going into right, I'm going full, I'm going full villain mode now. Like next season, I'm doing whatever. In his little in his black turtleneck, he, he just looked he just looked like a villain, didn't he? It was good. Yeah, he looked like a he looked like a straight up Bond villain. It was awesome. Yeah, I like that. that yeah, was, I guess that was almost the teaser or the that he's the season five incoming. This is where it's going to be. Gloves are off. In terms of this season so far, what have you sort of been thinking about those first couple of races? Uh, well, it's hard to say. They've both been in, in the Middle East and they've both sort of been on, you could say, controlled circuits. Um, but, yeah, oh, Ferrari are definitely the team to beat right now. Max isn't there. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, they've been freakishly faster in the both races so far. Like it's huge difference to last year. Max DNFing in the first race is a big loss, straight up. Yeah, that was that was juicy. But then Lewis only got one point last night, mm. so that levels out a bit. But I just had a look at the standings earlier, and uh, I think Lewis is sitting in fifth. I think it was that um, Charles Leclerc is sitting on top. I guess it, it adds another team now to it. Yeah, well. Whereas Ferrari weren't even fighting for third, really, last year. It was McLaren. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be maybe a four-horse race. If that, man, three. But who's going to be the third? Is it going to be Mercedes and McLaren? I think yeah, definitely four, the four big dogs up there. But the top six is anyone's guess either race now, where you just knew what the top two were going to be. And the top three, I guess, you had Bottas there. But now the top six, one to six, can be in any order between the Ferrari, Mercedes, and the Rebel. Yeah, but it's going to be fun. We're seeing a lot more passing too because they can sit in, in right in behind each other. The DRS seems to be a massive boost when you get the chance to use it. 
Yeah, I think who um one of the McLarens had a really good oh was it McLaren? I can't remember. One of the racing point cars, maybe. I was watching, yeah. That was yeah, it was good. But um exciting. I'm going down to Melbourne, I am. Oh, that'd be fun. In what, two weeks now? Yeah, I'm just heading down for the Sunday. So I'm very excited for that. I'll be I'll keep a little keen eye out for some Netflix cameras. <laughs> Get my mug on the show. Wouldn't that be something? The Gasly fire in the first race of this season was a bit concerning as well. That would, that would have been a bit scary. Yeah, was that um that was in this this year of racing, wasn't it? it wasn't in the show. Yeah. Yeah, the first race of this season where he, he stopped and then as he was as he was climbing out, the car just caught on fire and was like, oh geez. Yeah, I wasn't sure for a sec if that was in the show or real life. <laughs> but yeah, that was last week. Pretty scary. Um, and I found a, a little interesting fact too, now that Ferrari's competitive again. Every time they've taken pole and then won the opening Grand Prix of a season, they've gone on to win the world championship. So since you love a sneaky bet, that could be the go. Yeah, I, I, I could never bet against a Mercedes in that manner. <laughs> I'd be dirty with myself. I wouldn't be able to spend the money. Just give it away. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting fact. Though. It's not a bad shout. I'd be surprised if Ferrari aren't there till the end. They seem like the, the car to beat at the moment. Whether So far what I'm seeing with Mercedes, even Lewis said that before the first race, he'd be surprised if we're sort of up there. It doesn't look like a comfortable car to drive at all. No, which is a huge, huge point to make for him. So we'll see. It's going to be exciting. Especially on that, like those controlled circus, circuits in the Middle East where there there are bumps in those roads, but yeah, that Melbourne race, that's a street circuit. That's going to be bumpy as all hell. It's going to be interesting. I haven't, haven't raced on it in a couple of years as well. But yeah, I suppose, yeah, we'll guess we'll see who maybe the better drivers will show on. And it won't be a matter of what the car can do. It's how well the drivers can handle themselves around it. So maybe Lewis could uh, bit of redemption this week, next week, whenever it is. And the Mercedes do seem to be pretty good at sort of adjusting the car and making it better over the course of the season. So hopefully by the end of the year, we're getting six, seven, eight cars that all have a legitimate chance of winning a race, which will be good to see. It'd be good to see a few, um, yeah, like I said, Mitlando win a race, Ricardo. I think Perez is already up there. So yeah, it'd be good. Ready? That's all of Drive to Survive. And now a quick word from our sponsors. First up is Decorate and Dance. For them, life is a party. With the world reopening and parties now becoming much more viable, if you're hosting a party, then all of the ingredients you need for a good time start with the three Ds. Design, decorate and dance. You can't have a party without a theme, design, balloons, florals and decorations and some good tunes, dancing. The team over at Decorate and Dance can provide it all. Specializing in kids parties, adult parties, hens nights, baby showers, corporate events and weddings. Decorate and Dance are your one-stop shop. Book a designer, decorations and a DJ for your party to be remembered at www.decorateanddance.com.au. Next up is LF9 Designs. Are you in need of a new logo, event posters, Twitch overlays or emotes, or perhaps even merchandise designs? Look no further than LF9 Design for all of your graphic design needs. The team at LF9 Design can create anything that you need to suit all styles. Check them out on Instagram at LF9Design. Maison de Femmes create romantic, handmade, 
gold-filled jewellery for lovers and dreamers. Each piece is handmade and personally shipped by Jess Kumanovsky of Australia. If you are looking for an amazing and unique piece for a loved one, then look no further than Maison de Femmes. Maison de Femmes can be found online at maisondefemmes.com. That's M-A-I-S-O-N-D-E-F-E-M-M-E-S.com. And finally, Tegan Tag Photography. If you are ready for something a little different, ready to stray from the path of a traditional photo session, then get in touch with Tegan Tag Photography. Tegan specializes in water photography, family photo sessions, maternity shoots, and any type of photography incorporating mother nature. Bookings with Tegan can be made online at tegantag.com.au. That's www.teganttag.com.au. And then you made me watch some horrible, horrible trash TV. This is right up my alley. I know. You can take the charge on Byron Bay's. I was hanging for it to come out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, um, because oh, no, I recently come back from Byron. I was like, oh, yeah, just hook it into me. I just want, I just, I need my, my Byron hit and this come out the right time. It was, <laughs> it was horrendous. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so fake. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty much a cross between like the hills and maybe Jersey Shore where they just get a random, probably the hills really, they just get like a random group of people together. All right, you guys are friends, friends. You just have to hang out, socialize. We're going to follow the cameras around. I guess half the, half of it would be script. Half of it is real life, but not, it's not like not everyone lives together in a house like Love Island or anything. They just follow these people's day-to-day lives, set up, I guess, fake social events and like, oh, you all have to come to this. Then here's the cameras. You need to forge relationships with each other. The fact they had these like big weekly social parties and gatherings and stuff. I was like, this is so fake. Oh, that was so fake. One of the fashion shows they put on and it was meant to be like a big thing, but all the people, there was like 30 people there and half of, more than half of the, just the original cast of the show. So all these events are staged just for the show which is a bit cringe in its own sense. Who did you think was early? Early on, who would you think was like the most, the realest sort of non-fake character? Like this person's actually all right. Elias probably came off as the most like genuine person on the show. Yeah, early on. Then they sort of painted him to be out of a bit of a villain at the end. Yeah. I think Alex, that, uh, that talent manager, he seemed to have his head screwed on a bit. By the end of it, yeah, he seemed... A lot more real, but at the start, it's like, oh, look, God, this guy is so fake and just like here to promote his business. Yeah. He, did you know he's only 28? That guy's only 28. Yeah. <laughs> he used to be, um, I did a bit of reading, he used to be an assistant of Kyle Sanderlands back when he was working on radio. Oh, God. So, yeah, like Byron Bay's, it's just quote unquote reality show following this group of social media influencers in Byron Bay. And like, I like the concept of the show of, showcasing what influencers do i guess because it's like this weird new thing in the world it does a good job of showcasing the the beauty of byron bay but it doesn't portray the people of byron bay in a good way at all you wouldn't even it barely even like shows that it's in byron bay like they barely go out in public in byron there's like no scenes filmed like 
around town. It's all up in fancy estates and like people's properties. But they did get a lot of backlash when they first announced the show. And I know a lot of local businesses all like rallied together and refused to let them film. Yeah. Because like they said, they were showing like the they show the bad side of Byron. Yeah, and they well they and realistically the bad side of Byron is the real Byron, and that's like all the the homelessness and that's that's going on and all the like the drug problem and whatnot. So that's why they they did they really didn't showcase Byron for everything it is in real life, the reality of it. They paint it as this like beautiful, holistic place, but all the people are really like insular and protective of Byron Bay and like so unwelcoming to outsiders, which was an interesting spin. Like I can see why locals hated this show. Oh, I can imagine. It doesn't it doesn't work as a, a tourism promotional tool at all. It doesn't make me want to go there. Yeah, if anything, it makes you not want to go there. But um isn't it funny it's referred to as reality TV when it's absolutely the complete opposite. Like there's nothing real about it. Like it's staged reality. Hundred percent. If you, I don't know how you can even call it reality TV. I think just like going through the cast, we'll we'll run through the cast and get mm. little opinions on those. First up, Jade Kevin Foster, Australia's so-called most followed male Instagram influencer with one point two million followers. Yeah, so he's the only probably the only one the one person I knew already of when you popped up. I was like, oh yeah, I know him. Of course you would. I had no idea who this bloke was. Yeah, he's uh, he's just um I think one of the OG sort of influences from years ago, back before it was sort of even called it influencing. Such a horrible word. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you think of Jade? Yeah, um, irritating, I guess, and a bit infuriating. Bit of a just yeah. drama queen, unnecessary drama. Very dramatic, very over the top. Bro, I think he played his part well. Uh, he saw what the opportunity was worth and he said, you know what, I'm gonna this is I'm gonna this only I'm gonna be me here and do this. Yep. But they definitely made him out to be the main character, you could probably say. Oh, definitely. Um, what did you think of the whole fake followers, purchased followers storyline that they I, I kind of lean on Nathan, not Nathan, um Alex's side. hundred percent, hundred percent. When um I just thought it was a bit cringe when like Jade was trying to argue the fact and like sort of support himself. The way you reacted at the party was so bad. It was such a bad look. It was all like a guilty conscious reaction. Like, well, you reacting like that pretty much dobbing yourself in. <laughs> uh, and then Elias, we sort of mentioned, we mentioned he seemed really normal at the beginning and then came across as a bit fake at the end. Yeah, he definitely wasn't. Yeah, I actually didn't mind him at the start, but um yeah, there's, I don't reckon those those two. What was he? What was the other guy? Um, Nathan. Do you reckon there? Do you reckon any of these people knew each other to start with? Maybe some of the girls. I don't know if any of the guys did. Knew of from same social circles, but I don't know about friends because they made it out like Nathan and Elias are these like these best friends. Then they had yeah, this no. big argument and falling out like we're no longer friends. Yeah, no, they definitely weren't like best buds. I just love that stage sort of car park meetup. Hey, like different cameras from up here parked. It was oh. so dramatic. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm live for this. It's like they're not gonna they're not gonna throw down. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Like, in real life, they probably would have though, I guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's no way they just rock up like that to like blokes do not do stuff like that. Yeah, like if, if blokes are gonna go to blues, it's gonna be just at a party at one of these social gatherings that they have to attend every week. Um I I did laugh 
watching this show when a domain ad popped up and I saw Elias was one of the models in the ad. I was like, hey, I know that guy. Really? It felt really, really weird watching the ad being like, I know that guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I do know, so I'll, when I just looked up the sugar castments to see what they were about, half of them was already featured in other reality TV. Like Nathan was in yep. season four of The Bachelorette and season two of Bachelor in Paradise. So they've had reality that Serial reality stars. Yeah, I've watched neither of those two shows, so I didn't recognise him. I, I don't know. He, I've never, never, I've never heard of him before this either. So he mustn't have had an impact on those shows. Just a bit of a um, reality TV show rat. That shocks me that you haven't watched either of those shows. Nah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's the Bachelor just doesn't do it for you. I just don't. I, I used to, but I just don't watch actual TV shows these days. Like it's so hard to sit organize to sit yourself down at 7 30 every weeknight to watch something yeah i suppose they're on the streaming services now as well though like it's a, such a yeah true it's, but it's such a like a dying thing like back in the day when you were a kid like yes you used to get home from school have dinner do we need to do get ready then be on the lounge for 7 30 to watch pack the rafters you know <laughs> like that's what you do but you got there's just too much going on now and like you said it's you just chuck netflix on whatever time you want and then pick up from where you left off with no ads so you are, you're not across all the, the maths drama at the moment? No, I'm not. Only what I see on, like, the ads on TV. But it looks pretty hectic. Oh, geez, that's, that's full on. Olivia does yeah. not come across as a very nice human being at all. Are you watching it, are you? Yeah, I don't know. That's another. That is, that is, that's just the narrative that producers manipulate, I guess. Mm. Uh, another... Little character inclusion I want to mention. Um, sorry, Dave and Saskia, that couple. I thought that was a weird one. They were sort of fringe cast members, but always there, but they didn't really focus on their story much. Uh, they always were just at the parties, but they never, they sort of interviewed them here and there, but they weren't really cast members. I don't know if it was a weird one, eh? Yeah, and like they don't really fit into the influencer model. Like they're both just business people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't really understand that either inclusion i kind of feel like maybe they were like producers and funded yeah, the show that, partly and then possibly part of deal like, was, just get us in there we're going to be cast members so they're like almost self self-made entrepreneurs them too yeah like it, it was definitely helpful for uh dave's like promoting his boutique airline that flies to Byron yeah, Bay. seems so ridiculous yeah, I think I've actually, this, that Saskia girl is ringing a bell to me. Seems familiar. Same. I don't know why. Where you were from. Yeah, I don't know where you were from. Yeah, interesting adaptation. What did you think of Sarah St. James, the musician from the Gold Coast that kind of copped so much crap? Horrendous, I thought. I don't know. But, um, yeah, they they really took her story and remember that, didn't they? Yeah, she was definitely... As is, she was like a villain, but also like a victim. Like I felt like she was supposed to be the hero, but just got shat on constantly by the locals. And they sort of killed her off at the end, didn't they? Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they do a season two, if she comes back or if they just find some other new outsider to crap on. Did notice a couple of articles pop up that I didn't click on about whether or not her and Nathan were still together or not what happened after all that. I, I wasn't that compelled by their story to bother. I can't see this being renewed. No. I, I, I haven't seen one positive thing about it. 
Alex, the talent manager, came across as real fake to begin with, but then I thought he started to grow on me. But I still feel like it was just totally an ad for his business. <laughs> oh, that's one thing that kept making me laugh is when they were having he got Alex and Jay and we were sort of having serious conversations and kept just referring to themselves like his talent. <laughs> mm. How they call it talent. And Jay always mentioned that. I was like, bro. You know, the bro, what is your, thing what is talent. your talent? <laughs> yeah, tell me your talent. <laughs> talent manager. Stop it. And then we had Jessica and Lauren, the sisters. Yeah, like another thing, just a, um, a rich getting richer free advertisement, essentially, for their clothing mm-hmm. label, you thought. Like one thing, like they came from rich parents, yeah. That's like she owns the label with her mum. They have a pretty fancy boutique. Um, who's that other girl? Um, uh, Hannah. Who's the one the, with the crystals? Is that the Hannah? The crystals. Oh, my God. She was a right old cooker. But the, another one, she was just live with her rich mum. She she was so fake. Yeah, that was that was actually entertaining. I actually didn't mind her character. It was it just took the piss well and truly. And that it was a good old laugh, that one. And then Kai, the photographer, I felt like. Breath of fresh air, I thought. He was my favourite. He actually felt like the only person in this show that actually had some sort of talent. He was pretty genuine. Yeah, he was a very good artist, photographer. He was like what, experimenting with tattooing. Yeah. Just wore all black, which I was vibing with. Just didn't get caught up with um, the nonsense. He was just, yeah, a breath of fresh air. Yep. Uh, Elle, oh, my God, she's. Oh, what a piece of work. She was 100% in love with Nathan but just wouldn't admit it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking too this whole time, what was her boyfriend going to think when he watches this? Like, he's just finding out all this stuff. <laughs> but then again, like, is it real or not? Like, it was a pretty cool storyline, but how real is it? Well, I think it was what episode two where uh, they were focusing on Nathan and Elle at their apartment and like mm-hmm. acting like they were a couple. And then her boyfriend walks out and just like sits at the bench for breakfast. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, they sort of got them to flirting a bit. I don't think any of these relationships are real. Friendships or relationships. It's just all a, a cast of paid actors, I'm convinced. There's nothing real about this show except Kai. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I like him. Uh, and then the last one was uh, Simba Ali. What did you think of him? The spiritual healer. Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool too, I guess. I, I think all these spiritual healing stuff sort of made him a bit fake but other than that he seemed pretty normal i seemed an right bloke and from what he come from did you know much about his backstory he used to be in finance yeah that i didn't know about it until they sort of explained it towards the end yeah he seemed pretty cool didn't mind him it was just yeah the whole spiritual healing thing was a bit weird yeah i forgot about l yeah she was nasty very jealous just jealousy <laughs> Some of the notes I took whilst watching this, just I, I feel like these like convey my whole range of emotions watching the show. It was like, first up, I'm not even 10 minutes in. I hate these people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's. And then Hannah going, Hannah saying, I love a booch. I was just like, I'm totally off you. I hate this whole weird hippie spiritual factor that you have going on. Not a fan. But she was just so oblivious to it. Not... Yeah. She thought she was totally normal. I was like, no. She did not care. No, nah, it was a laugh. They all spoke in like cliches and generic catchphrases for the first like four episodes. I was like, oh my God, you are so Byron. 
Yeah, I'm surprised I got through it though. Surprised, yeah. <laughs> and like we said, the the two sisters, they do not look like sisters at all. I was like, nope, I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah, and the other one, like the taller one, what was her name? She didn't really get much. Uh, yeah. So Lauren, the taller blonde sister, like looking at that, like, nah, there's something suspect about these sisters. <laughs> But yeah, it's just the show about the rich, the 1% of Byron, I guess, because that's definitely completely different to the Byron I know. And I think everyone knows. Not many people could relate to that Byron. It was good to see sort of them, some of them grow at the end of the season, but I was like, oh, I don't know how real this is, like whatever. Yeah, I do like I do, I do like the idea of it. I can't understand the backlash and I won't be expecting to see it renewed. <laughs> It was decent trash TV that you can just chuck on and not have to think about. Like, oh, required no thinking. No, you just sat there and was like, whatever. I'm just going to run with it. I was just hanging out for every time Kyle was back on on the screen. Yep. But even him, he's the where he was living. Like, he's got to have money somehow. We're backed by money. If that's where even these people live, or they've just rented these places for the characters, yeah, I'd love to know their real lives. Interesting to see where they pop up next. What what reality show they pop up on next? Oh yeah, yeah. What's what's the lowest of the lows these days? Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, Byron edition. Oh, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah, or well, that one. That's another good show. Byron edition. <laughs> Byron Bay's edition. Um, and then I found in research found on nine.com.au a little quiz for. Which Byron Bay are you? Hey, what about this? Did you do the quiz? Yeah, I did the quiz. Who did you get? You actually guessed it when we were chatting about it, and I didn't say anything. I got uh, I got Jade, which I'm horrified about. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I only threw my phone. I can see why you were annoyed by that result. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, what did you get? I got Kai. Oh. See, I... I couldn't even like manipulate the answers to make sure I got quiet. I don't know how I got got with Jay. <laughs> did you pick the all black clothing question? Surely I did for the last one. The last one was, and it's and you still got Jade. Ouch, burnt. It's, it's meant to be. That's the universe eh? slapping me like give me a Will Smith slap. Yeah, I was horrible. That made me hate everything about the show. As soon as I did that quiz, <laughs> screw this damn show. Yeah, so Byron Bay's good trash TV, but don't go into this expecting real life stories. Like good trash TV, watch watch it so you can get involved in the memes, banter about it at parties or social events. Yeah, and the memes, you've got to understand the memes. Yeah, speaking of parties, I loved your uh, costume. Mm-hmm. Bucks party on the weekend. Yeah, wrestling theme. So good. Yep, I went as uh, Rodzilla when he appeared on WCW. I think that was the only option, as I, as I have little time interest in wrestling, but I, I was like, I'm going to go as uh, someone I am familiar with, and that's a basketball player. Yeah, that was perfect. There's a couple of refs, referees too, which was good. Got to have a good ref. Got to have a good ref. Got to press. And that was a Vince, Vince, Vince McMahon. Yep. Just the simple costume. So, yeah, that's reality TV Netflix edition episode done. What would be a top recommendation for the week? Out of those two? Yeah, well, it's not Byron Bays, is it? No, hundred percent drive to survive. The amount of the amount of like negatives we just spoke about, it's like I wouldn't. Unlike other things I watch, I, when I've steered people away from, it, like I wouldn't steer away from this. It was 
what, eight episodes of very easy, entertaining viewing. Like, it wasn't so bad that you can't watch it. It was like, it was entertaining. And like I said, watch it for the banter and the memes. If you just want to chuck something on while you're eating dinner or doing, like, the dishes or the ironing or laundry or something, you just want something on in the background that you don't have to focus on, this is the way to go. But It made me laugh and it made me yell at the TV. If you want to sit down and watch high-quality TV, it's got to be Drive to Survive. Another thing I didn't mention about that, just imagine the hours and hours of footage from different races that had to go pick out from folders, stick it together and stick it together in a way that creates a storyline that captures people and takes people on for the ride. It's just edited so, so well. And what is it? Is it the Emmys? Is the Emmys the TV awards? Like, is this eligible to win all the awards or not? Like, how does it work? I think it has won Emmys before. Has for it? The, yeah, like documentary drama or documentary series or something. But, yeah, those editors deserve a raise and I would hate to see their hard drives and hard drives and hard drives of footage. I would actually love to know how many hours of footage they got. Jeez. Well, even just on a normal race, like imagine how much footage there is just from a race weekend of just the cameras on track, like 20 or 30 cameras are filming three hours of race footage yeah. plus all the, the practice sessions and qualifying. And then you've got the roaming cameras doing the interviews and bits and pieces. Like, Yeah, exactly. Overhead cameras, helicopters. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be such a hard job to do. Like, right, I need this particular angle of this moment. Let's scrub through 8 million terabytes of data to find out where that little 10-second clip is. Piece it all together to... Makes sense. The drama of the moment, put people there. Yeah, very impressive editing. Blew my mind. Alrighty, that's everything. Thank you for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z, and you can follow me on social media at Jam Yabs Media and at Pario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps. <laughs>